It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Award-winning journalist Nina Simons is one of the country's leading authorities on Asian cooking, and her website, spicesoflife.com, is featured on sites like The Daily Beast. She's a contributor to Gourmet Live and Epicurious.com, and she's joining me today on Amy's Table. And Nina, I love your new book, Simple Asian Meals. And I'm curious, how did you get introduced to Asian food? Well, actually, it started when I was 19. Um, I had studied a little Mandarin in high school, and um, I decided to drop out of college and um, study food language and culture. Originally, I had thought of going to Paris, but then my fate changed, and I decided to go to Asia. And um, I went there at 19 and was faithfully introduced to a woman who had a wonderful cooking school where some of the best chefs in the city taught the regional cuisines, and I felt at home there, and I stayed there for three and a half years. Wow. Isn't that interesting? It's like life blows you where you need to go, and you needed to go to Asia, not France. What do you think are some of the things, you know, with your passion for Asian cuisine, what are some characteristics of it or some attributes of it you wish more people knew? Well, I think that, um, first of all, this book is all about debunking the myth that Asian food is labor-intensive. I think that given the what we have the the variety of foods in the supermarkets. I think um, the food is available in uh, condiments are there that we might not have been able to purchase except at a specialty Asian store. Um, and this book also encourages people to use some of the um, convenience foods, um, pre-cut, washed vegetables, as well as um, the different whole grains that are in the market. So I think um, people tend to think of Asian food as, you know, cooking it as being very Mm labor-intensive. And what I try to do in this book is to show people how fast and easy, delicious, and, of course, healthy um, these meals can be. Well, you know, you've got tips in the book that talk about debunking it. You tell easy ways to, to cook Asian on the weeknights, and some of these tips apply to any cuisine and are good to keep in mind, and that is use the weekend to shop and plan meals. And without a plan, you're just not going to eat well. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. I think it does take a little bit of strategic planning. And um, as you said, this doesn't just apply to Asian cooking. It really applies if you want to get a really good, um, wonderful dinner on the table for your family or yourself or your partner. Then I think that you have to do a little bit of advance planning, and the weekend is the perfect time to do that. But I like your tip about preparing large batches of staples like rice and grains and freezing individual bags and defrosting them. People, When I tell people the tip of cooking rice, they're like, 
frozen rice? What? And I think to myself, have you seen what's in the freezer case at the grocery these days? This is not a revolutionary idea, but it saves you so much time. That was actually how I got the idea to do this. Yeah, and it's great, isn't it? One day, I was just um, desperate for time, and I was in either Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, and, and I thought, oh, I don't really have a grain, and I just looked. But I also think there are there are these wonderful grains that are um, like whole wheat couscous and quinoa that really only take five to to fifteen minutes to cook. Right. And there, you know, those are something that you can make and uh, immediately. But the longer, the longer, uh, the grains that require longer cooking. Yeah, I just cook up a batch and freeze them in, you know, Ziploc bags and um, label them and take them out. And from frozen, I can defrost them in my microwave and have a wonderful steaming basmati, steamed basmati rice. Well, I think if I could stand on the corner and shout out advice to people, I think that's it. It's the planning, it's the making, it's the freezing. You you talk about even making marinades and spice rubs in advance and in bulk. And it's, Absolutely. It really makes everything so much easier. You also talk about uh, effortless Chinese chicken stock and the basic Japanese stock. How important are those elements to the rest of the dishes? Well, I think if you're making a soup, obviously, now with the effortless um, Chinese chicken stock, it's basically, we have in supermarkets now really good quality chicken broth or chicken stock. And, you know, previously, I would go to the store, buy, excuse me, chicken bones and backs and necks or whatever, and I would, you know, make stock, but these days it's not necessary, I so agree. it's really fast. Um, so if you're making a particular soup, and that's why it's in the um, the hearty soups chapter, um, then I, it, it is very important, but otherwise, um, with many of the dishes, you can just actually use water in many of the stir-fried dishes. You don't need stock. Well, you know, when many people think of Asian food, they do think of stir fries, and it's clearly a big part of the cuisine. And can you share a little bit of the tips for putting out a great stir fry at home? Yeah, stir frying is all about the key to successful stir frying is organization. So with stir frying, what you want to do, it's a very fast cooking process. And so what you want to do is to get everything prepped before you start cooking. Um, and so that's why, as you were saying before, very often I'll marinate meat. Um, I do over weekends, I'll prepare a basic marinade in a jar and keep it in the fridge so I can just cut up meat and dump it, dump it in. But, you know, I do look for quicker tips. And if you were making a chicken stir fry, you could use technically um, a rotisserie chicken, you know, chicken pieces from a rotisserie chicken and replace that with um, in your stir fry. So I think first of all, getting um, getting the food all prepped, heating the pan, it should be really hot. Um, you don't necessarily have to use a wok, but a good pan, large pan that's 
sort of heavy and will retain um, heat. It is good, so a, a heavy skillet is excellent. And I would say um, you can temper the heat, put the heat on high, and if you feel at all if things are going too quickly, just take the pan on, and you don't have, say, gas. Um, you have electric, then that works beautifully. Then um, just move the pan on and off the heat. I also recommend if you are in the market for looking for a walk, walk that you do buy a flat bottom walk because, and they're available um, really at any you know, um, kitchenware store or in a Chinese market. And um, the I don't use the collar with the walk. I think it um, the stand, it really elevates the pan from the heat, and you really want the pan right on the heat. So if, for instance, if people are worried about stability, they have a gas stove, very often what I do is I turn the, um, the burner um what is it, the little grill that goes in the uh, burner upside down. So it'll, it sort of holds the wok in place. But um, the flat bottom wok works beautifully on electric, on gas, on any type of cooking um, surface. And it's, it really uses heat efficiently. Oh, there, those are all important steps. Well, you know, when we leave you today, just send us off with this idea. The last chapter in the book are the irresistible sweets. And I don't often <laughs> think of Asian meals as having sweets, but I love the sound of these desserts. Did you add them for the American palate, or are more Asian families throwing desserts I, in? I added them for myself, to be very <laughs> Well, for both. Um, I, I do love, I think, you know... These days, Asians, um, you know, generally, traditionally, they eat some type of a fruit at the end of a meal. Although they might eat a snack, you know, a sweet more as a snack. But I think that there, what I wanted to do, I there's a chapter irresistible sweets, and what I really tried to do is to create some really easy but delicious desserts. So um, the candy ginger orange slices is so simple mm. and it's so perfect at this time of year. You just slice navel oranges, sprinkle a little bit of candy ginger, brown sugar. You could use honey. I do in this recipe. Um, and I have to say one of my favorite desserts is the dark chocolate ginger um, bonbon. I'm looking at those right now. <laughs> which are so easy to make. I mean, they're just very, very simple. The key is to buying a good dark coating chocolate and you just, um, you know, scoop out the ice cream, freeze it, dip it, chop a little candy ginger and then melt the chocolate, dip the uh, ice cream balls in the chocolate, and freeze them, and that's it. Oh, well, it um, looks like a lovely... But, but having said that, there are a lot of sort of fruitish, uh, fruit, fruity desserts. Right. Um, roasted fruit, um, baked apples with cinnamon streusel. So there, it's it's intended, but I also had to include a little bit of chocolate because my husband <laughs> is an alcoholic. 
There you go. So there are some dark chocolate desserts. Well, well, there are loads of beautiful recipes in the book. Again, it's Simply Asian Meals, Irresistibly Satisfying Healthy Dishes for the Busy Cook by Nina Simons. And I'm going to put all of Nina's information on amystable.com, but you've got to make sure to check out spicesoflife.com as well. And Nina, it was a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thank you, Amy. It was my pleasure. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q! It's Amy's Table with Amy Tolman, yeah. Q102.